celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Ah, boo. You scared? No. Okay. Happy Halloween to you and all of your animals. Halloween. Halloween. There you go. We'd love to hear from you today to talk to Dr. Debbie or dog father Joey Villani. And we'd love to see their pictures of your costumed animals over at our Facebook page. So make sure that you upload those along with your videos over there. Uh, We're going to head to the phones for your calls right now. But first, let's find out what's going on in the newsroom. Miss Lori Brooks, what are you working on? Well, you know, we're all big animal supporters here. And there is yet a new study out that talks about the benefits of having animals uh, with children, specifically in the classroom. Oh, This is like far from the days of when I was a kid and our classroom pet was an ant farm. <laughs> but I did love that ant farm, and I used to take that home during the summer. And, well, just one summer because, well, it yeah. didn't come back a lot. But it, <laughs> Hi, who is this? You talking with me? I'm talking to you. You're talking to me, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to you. Okay, I'm Lucy. Hi, Lucy. How you doing? I'm doing good. Where are you calling? Right now, I'm calling in from Maryland. When I called you originally, I was in Arizona. You get around. Yeah. You a driver? I drive a big truck. You drive a big truck. Oh, I love lady drivers. Oh, this is so much fun. I retired from my original career, and now I'm on vacation and getting paid for it. What was your original career? Registered nurse. Do you like this better? Well, I I did nursing for 30 years, and I liked that great. But after 30 years, I needed a change, and I love this because I've I've been doing it for three years, and I've seen the entire country and Canada. And getting paid to do it. And getting paid to do it. Oh, you got to love it. And I get Teddy with me. Oh, and who is that with you? Teddy. 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 He's a half Shih Tzu and a half miniature Cocker Spaniel. Does he like traveling with you? He loves it. Mm, He loves it. He's he's, he's been, you know, I'm, I'm... really disappointed that I never had a dog before this. Oh. He is such a love. You just found out about that, huh? Yes, I did. Okay. Well, tell your friends to get an animal. Yeah, I will. Okay. I will. I called you initially because Teddy has a ritual that he does, and I know it's got to mean something, but I don't know what it means. If he's given a treat or if he finds a piece of particular piece of food, I don't know if he, when he likes it or doesn't like it, but he'll touch the tip of his nose to it, back off four inches, touch the floor, touch the food, touch the floor. He'll do that three or four times. Then he takes it and carries it to his bed and buries it. Now, I don't know whether he goes back and eats it or not. I think he does, but I've found like four or five treats in there. What does that mean? Well, that's quite the interesting little thing. So you don't really know if Teddy's eating these treats later on in the day? No, not not later on in the day because I mean he's he I found like I said four or five days afterward. Yeah, and oh, so you're finding the uneaten treats down the road. Right, right. One way we could interpret that behavior is that you know he's kind of taking what's his and he's hiding it for a later date. Um, and some of it is also just you know um, a matter of preferences for foods. Um, when you give him his regular food, um, Lucy, does he eat his dog food all in one sitting, or is he more of a nibbler? Does he kind of take one little piece and run he's off with a it? And definite nibbler. He nibbler. is. You'll he, eat very. He has done it where he'll go up to his dog food and eat the whole thing. But that's far and few between. Yeah, and he's probably doing some of this kind of um, 
uh, kind of calling a hoarding behavior. Um, and I'm assuming he's the only dog in your in your truck. Yes. You don't have yes. other dogs with him. Okay, good. So it's not necessarily competition type thing. It's just probably a, a way that he's kind of being a dog in his maybe somewhat uh, close environmental situations. And I guess the question I'd also have for you, Lucy, is um, do you spend some time like um, in a either a home setting or a hotel setting? And how does, does he do these behaviors there as well? I haven't seen it there. I haven't seen it there. Because we're, I'm, when I'm home, it's usually like three to four days at a time. And he's out romping around a little bit. I've not seen it outside of the truck. And that kind of puts a little bit more clue into that, that, um, you know, there could be some uh, psychological interpretation that, you know, maybe he thinks because, you know, the road is moving, um, you know, he has to make sure there's food accessible. Um, and it's hard to kind of understand how much dogs reason and kind of are, right. are reasoning through a situation like this. But I could totally make a case where he might be thinking, you know, I want to make sure I got this little snack later and don't know where I'm going to be. Um, so that might be an accommodation he's doing. And, and is he a pretty uh, healthy weight fella or does he? have a yeah, little extra weighs, pudge? No, no, he's, he's uh, about 12 pounds. He may just very well be one of those, because he's kind of a nibbler, kind of almost more cat-like in his dining behaviors, that this might just be kind of a normal little uh, quirk with your little fella. And as long as everything else is going well, I'd say, you know, uh, you know you can... There is something else. There is something else. Normally, okay. it's not the treats that I give him. There are places that you go to deliver or pick up and whatnot. And folks have dog biscuits and what have you, and they'll give them to him. He doesn't eat them. That, those are particularly the ones. I wonder if it's because it's a different set. Th- these are treats that other individuals are giving him. Right. And it may definitely be a preference thing as well. Um, you know, I know my dogs will eat just about anything under the sun that I give them. Um, but if he's more accustomed to some of your his favorite treats that you provide, those might be something he'll readily ingest and say, "I got to eat this right now." It's kind of like the, "I got to have the chocolate chip cookie right now." But you know, I'm going to put the tuna fish sandwich in the fridge, and if I get hungry, I'll eat that later. So he could he could even be reasoning through something that as well. I appreciate the insight. I just. I thought there was some quirky thing about Shih Tzu or something. I don't know. So I appreciate it, and I really do enjoy the show that y'all put on. Well, thank you very much oh, for listening. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. A man in South Carolina jumped on the back of a 10-foot alligator to save his girlfriend's dog as it was being dragged into a lake. Brent Carey was taking a walk with his girlfriend and her dog Chance when an alligator jumped out of the water and started to drag Chance into the lake. Carey jumped on the back of the alligator and frantically wrestled Chance out of his deadly jaws. Finally, the gator gave up the little dog who ran safely to shore. Jessica Turner, Chance's owner, said she can't close her eyes without seeing little Chance's head in the gator's mouth. The Department of Natural Resources sternly informed Carrie that he or anyone else should never jump on the back of a 10-foot alligator. Uh, just in case you were thinking of doing it. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hey there, animal lovers. Vinnie Penn, your party animal on Animal Radio. Digging that song again. Got to tell you, that's Def Leppard, an acoustic version of their song Animal. I don't know why it's so important for me to get that out there, but hey, 
I wanted to. Uh, on a recent installment, I told you guys about the beloved family dog, Cruiser. We had uh, several pets in my house growing up. Uh, Cruiser probably is the, the, the one on the biggest pedestal. He was a mini, a mini schnauzer. Yes, all you guys out there with German shepherds and beautiful labs and Rottweilers are thinking, wow, Vinnie Penn had a mini schnauzer. But I'll tell you, he was, uh, he was awfully cool, even though what I'm about to tell you uh, might make you question that even more. Uh, nonetheless, told you about Cruiser recently. And ironically enough, right after that installment, uh, moving a few boxes around uh, in the house that we grew up in that my sister uh, had since bought from my parents. And uh, she kept Cruiser's Chew Toys, which I think is a bit over the top. I don't know. Nasty, dust bunny riddled Chew Toys, uh, all masticated with big holes in them. Maybe some... uh, dog lovers out there who've lost their dog you know you keep such things i believe there are certain things worth keeping uh like the the collar with the you know especially if you have the name on and whatnot the chew toy is a little over the top but then again uh my sister puts the rat in pack rat so maybe that's the reason nonetheless what we also found in another box or what i found was what i used to call cruisers liberace sweater yes now, bad enough, I, I'm not a big believer in sweaters on dogs in the first place, although I have seen some cool things. I recently saw a dog actually with a CBGB t-shirt on. I thought that was pretty cool. Certainly a way to strike up a conversation with the ladies. But uh, one holiday season, my mom bought a uh, cruiser, a sweater that could only be described as a Liberace sweater, uh, Liberace uh, for those of you who don't know, was a rather flamboyant, outrageously dressed pianist. Uh, this sweater just screamed. Uh, well, it begs the question. This is the point of this week's um, party animal. This is what leads to the question. I think my mother thought Cruiser was gay. It's the only thing that I could come up with. My mother has since passed away, so I can't ask her. But when I found Cruiser's Liberace sweater, I thought, why did you buy this for him? It's not remotely masculine. The design, Cruiser's boy. Did my mother think Cruiser was a gay dog? And does that exist? Can are, Is there such a thing as gay dogs and, and gay cats? <laughs> I got to say no. Uh, cru- you know, I watched Cruiser frolic with other dogs. He really didn't treat the boy. Well, there was that one friend of mine who had a dog named Thor, and Cruiser used to mount him. But don't they just mount, you know, boy or girl? Look, it's not going to change my feelings about Cruiser if I were to now discover, hey, I had a gay mini schnauzer. It's not going to change. I'm not going to go home and tear up that picture of the two of us on the beach that I, I hold so dear, but uh, has there ever been any scientific studies? Have we determined if uh, animals are capable of, uh, of, of this? Or, uh, all I know at the end of the day is gay or straight, cruiser, I love you, I miss you, but I got to say I do, would prefer if mom just bought you a, my owner went to Florida and all I got was this stupid doggy t-shirt. Vinnie Penn, Party Animal, Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, 
you're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means. <laughs> How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. This is Animal Radio. What do you say we go to the phones? Hey, Neil, how are you doing? Not bad. How are you doing? Good. What's up? Okay, I've got a three-year-old female Doberman Pinscher, and when she was two years old, we had her fixed. And ever since she got fixed, she has had trouble holding her urine. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever she whenever she lays down and goes to sleep, when she gets into a deep sleep, she just leaks all over her badness. You can tell that in her face, she knows, hey, I... I done something bad, and oh God, and you know the deal. You know it's like catching a little kid that just went to bed and don't want to tell you about it. She feels so guilty, but of course you can't scold her because it's an accident. Exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? Okay. So uh, our veterinarian has give us uh, this medication. It's very expensive, and I can't remember the name of it. We're you're supposed to give her the uh, pill in the morning when she eats, and a pill around noon. Whenever she needs to go outside, she'll smack the cowbell. We'll take her outside, and uh, her urine is a, is very dark, and you can smell it. Okay, alrighty. So, how is now? Is she still on this medicine, and, and is it helping her? Yes and no. Uh, it is helping her not wet the bed, but it's. I mean, it's like uh, it's it's, a, it's we're spending a lot of money masking a problem. Okay. Well, a couple of things from what you're saying. Um, now, the first thing that we we'll just wanted to go over is that the female dogs can definitely develop some incontinence issues. And it basically is most common when we, we hear stories of dogs that are sleeping or they're um, coming from a lying position and they get up and then they, you find a puddle of urine. So for that in a female dog, yes, most often they are spayed. So for some dogs, it can actually be related to an estrogen deficiency. In other dogs, it's just a matter of of the urethral sphincter and it's just not working well. So there are some great options to help pets that have this. Now, if you're looking for a fix for it, you got it and it's probably going to be a pill. Um, as far as there are some more, in, I don't want to say invasive, but some more corrective things, but they're usually involving putting collagen in the bladder and injections and it's, it's really not something we recommend for the average pet. Um, for most yeah. dogs that have this, they can be well controlled with medications. Um, now, I'm not sure which one your um, pet is on but there is um, a couple different ones we can choose from. One is called phenylpropylamine, 
also known as PPA, and it's usually given two to three times a day, um, and it helps to improve the, the tone in the urinary sphincter. And for a lot of dogs, that may be all they need to control their symptoms. For other okay. dogs, that may not do enough, and um, we may go into a more of an estrogen compound, and those may be given typically only maybe once or twice a week because there's you know uh, definitely good and bad with all these medicines. Um, I can yeah. tell you, my own female dog, um, 13 and a half year old gal, she has urinary incontinence and she's had it since an early age. Um, yeah, she was did, a re- did it just happen overnight? It can, yeah, it definitely can. Um, sure. The big question is, and, and granted, I don't know all the details of your pet's health, but when we do diagnose this type of problem, we want to make sure we're not missing something else because there's a lot of other reasons that can cause a dog to produce a lot of urine and not be able to hold it. And I've actually found uh, a high amount of dogs that start doing this kind of urine leakage. We may treat them with a urinary incontinence medicine, but we're not really maybe always catching the real problem. And I found that right. some dogs are actually developing a they have a kidney problem, a liver problem, or some other disorder, and it just makes them drink more, and they can't hold their urine. So if we just treat for the trying to make them hold their urine, we're not really getting to the heart of things. So if your vet hasn't done a full blood panel, I would recommend that. The other thing, and it kind of concerns me when you say your dog's urine is dark and that you're restricting urine. We should never restrict water for a dog that has um, an excessive thirst. There could be a lot of negatives with that. So um, now, I'm I know, not posted, I know. maybe right I, before just, bedtime. Uh, but, we have to, but to we re- have to really watch the toilet seat. <laughs> yeah, oh, sure. in there and get a drink out of the toilet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean anything I that's available. That, I mean, it's, it's water. You know, I mean. Uh, yeah, but so I for feel me, so bad because her her tongue is actually dry. Okay, well, you need to get this baby checked out. Go to your vet. I'm going to give you a prescription for getting um, a blood panel pulled on her, and I would definitely get a urine sample. And the reason is that a lot of dogs on urinary continence medicines can actually develop retention urinary tracts and infections. So we've kind of messed with their ability to hold their urine, and that sometimes can allow bacteria to flourish in the bladder longer. So um, okay. those two things, I would make sure you get your vet to check the blood and check the urine and make sure we're not developing something else that's causing her to drink excessively Um, because definitely you can create problems if we're not kind of being vigilant with that but if it turns out that everything else is okay and we're talking about you know finding some continence medicines for her and for the long haul um, you know I'm not afraid of these medicines I like I said I use them for my dog and they really um, they keep her more comfortable keep our house more pleasant and um, it just takes a little bit more work and monitoring so um I guess what's bothering me more is, okay, the veterinarian will only give me two weeks' worth of pills for her, Mm -hmm. and she's charging me an office visit every two weeks. Wow. And and this is really starting to add up. I mean, she's an awesome dog. She's got a very important job. Her her job is to babysit my daughter. Uh, My daughter (laughs) is a 26-year-old woman physically, but... Mentally, she's about five years old, and if any jackass ever came to the door and said, hey, Dad told me to take you bowling, well, she'd grab her bowling ball and shoes and be gone with some stranger. Wow. Okay? Oh. Well, hey, Neil, um, this is what I would, my advice, and this isn't maybe coming from a veterinarian, but, but you know, if, if you're having trouble communicating with your veterinarian, trying to find an, a solution, and you feel like you're not getting anywhere, um, have a heart-to-heart. Um, sometimes, you know, getting a second opinion is always well worth it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I would make sure that, you know, 
we need to know more. We need to know what medicine she's on and, you know, what the, their concerns are. Because some of these medicines we don't do long term without monitoring. It can be very dangerous for those yeah. reasons I described. So, um, you know, hopefully your vet's just kind of being extra vigilant and looking out for her health. Um, but, you know, we need a little bit more, um, I guess, explanation on what their intents are there. Mm. We've done that. We've shopped for new vets. It's not something, you know, if you're unhappy with your vet, find a a vet that you're happy with. Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process. Cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book. Biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book. No matter what genre, Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks. We do all of this for you. Call today for your free writer's guide, packed with tips, tricks, and templates to help you finish what you started. 800-215-6815. That's 800-215-6815. This is an Animal Radio News Update. Hi, I'm Lori Brooks. The bond between humans and dogs may be much older than we previously believed. There's a group of uh, researchers out now that say they have discovered an ancient wolf bone. They did some studies on it, and its DNA suggests that dogs diverged from wolves as far back as 40,000 years ago and point to the ancient wolf as possibly the most recent common relative of modern wolves and dogs. Now, another implication of this study, how dogs became an important part of our human society. The most prevalent theory is that dogs became domestic creatures once humans settled into agricultural-based communities. But, they say, humans could have also caught wolf cubs way back 40,000 years ago and kept them as pets. And then that gradually led to wild wolves being domesticated. Every year we hear about pets and children left to die in hot cars. I hate those stories. Or, you know, freezing to death outside in winter. Well, now, leaving the family pet outside in extremely hot or cold weather could result in up to a year in jail and a pretty hefty fine under a measure that Illinois lawmakers have sent their governor. The bill would make it a Class A misdemeanor there to expose dogs or cats to life-threatening situations for prolonged periods of time in extreme heat or cold and make it punishable by up to a year in jail as well as a fine of up to $2,500. Though they say judges would have the discretion to impose a lesser sentence. That bill recently in Illinois passed the Illinois Senate. There's a new study out that reveals having a pet in the classroom may provide real educational value through things like leadership skills and building character. Despite some of the challenges to having classroom pets, like coping with its loss or, you know, the teacher spending their own money to take care of the pet, the study found six objectives proving the benefit of caring for a classroom pet, like teaching children responsibility, compassion, empathy, respect, and leadership through animal care, and providing relaxation when kids are stressed out in the classroom. Many teachers told the study's researchers about the profound impact that classroom pets had on their students, especially those students who they said came from low-income areas who were unable to have pets in their own family. That warms my heart. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. 
This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. <laughs> it's Animal Radio. We'll go head back to the phones in just a couple of seconds here. But uh, this is kind of interesting. Dr. Jillian Squirrel is joining us. Uh, doctor, first of all, am I pronouncing your last name right, Squirrel? Yes, like, like the animal, as absurd as it is to work with animals. <laughs> well, you, uh, you're working with animals and homeless people, and this is kind of crucial. You know, when I walk around some of the uh, homeless areas here in uh, Morro Bay, I see a lot of people with their animals. They have dogs. I always scratch my head. You know, they can't feed themselves, but they always manage to feed their dogs. They're like the number one priority for them. Yeah. Uh, so California, in fact, has sort of a, a very, has sort of like 22% of the homeless population in the state. So there's, you know, there probably are an awful lot of people out there with pets. Should homeless people have pets? Oh, that's, a, that's a, an interesting converse, uh, conversation starter. Sure. So, um... There's a lot of judgment, I guess, attached to homelessness and a lot of fear probably attached to homelessness. Um, should people have pets who are homeless? Um, people range on a continuum from absolutely they shouldn't, they can't look after themselves to thinking it's a really cute thing. Um, I would have thought that if people could, could look after their animal, then, um, then their companion animal could do, could do a lot of good for them. So it's it's quite uh, it's quite a complicated and quite a nuanced uh, situation. Now I thought that you know at one time I thought that these animals were you know I felt pity for them you know they're out there mm-hmm. and they don't have anything but then I learned something else that they are very happy and content because they're not sitting home for eight hours a day while their guardian is working they are actually with the person pretty much twenty four seven. That's true. So that would be sort of a tick in the box of it's not unreasonable for people who are homeless to have have their animal companion with them. And isn't it true that um, that animals, especially dogs, I think, are uh, like a lifeline sort of for a lot of these homeless people? It's all they have. But if people are worried about government support of homeless people and stuff, that's really a, a dog is pretty cheap therapy for them. <laughs> well, a dog is, I mean, certainly with the people that I've, uh, that I've been interviewing, I mean, the, their dog or their cat has a huge number of different types of value for them. So um, an unconditional supporter for them, um, someone who's not judging them yep. in the current situation that they're in. Um, it's, of course, when you're homeless, life is very difficult. Um, you know, just think about some of the things that we take for granted, like, you know, washing our hands or getting something to eat. Uh, or putting on a clean, you know, some clean clothes. All of those things are incredibly difficult and take up a lot of time and a lot of resources for someone who's homeless. 
But one of the things that uh, somebody who is homeless can do something about is, is being with their animal and, and looking after their animal. So there's a, a chance for them to have some sort of self-esteem and self-regard. You know, they can, they can be their champion for their pet. They can be providing at least something for their animal or, or sharing their own food with their animal. Do you think that people ever get animals and sit out on the corner and ask for money because people might give them <laughs> See, more? I was, with, I was thinking that, too. Yeah, might give them more money okay. if they have a little puppy so, with them or something? So, indeed, that's true. And certainly recently when I was in London looking at the issue of homeless people with pets, I did, a, I did come across some situations of, let's call it puppy pimping. <laughs> uh, so, yes, small, cute dogs were being passed from homeless person to homeless person uh, as a way of, of getting more income uh, wow. through that sort of panhandling process. Does that happen ordinarily on the London streets? Yes. For sure. That, that type of panhandling was, was definitely happening. I think you hit it right on the head. These are animals that are, they give us their unconditional love. They, they're unjudgmental. And when you're homeless, you're getting judged all the time. Anybody that looks at you, they're immediately judging you. And these animals certainly are not. And they give you that unconditional love. And that's and what, it, yeah. And, it, and it's love without strings. Yep. Um, so, I mean, if you think about how it, how difficult it might be to, to, to live as a homeless person. You know, there, there could be lots of strings involved. So, yep, there, and they do sort of strange, you know, they do strange, they do funny things, they're humorous, they come up and nudge your hand for a, for, for a cuddle or some affection. So they bring a sort of lightness uh, into, into, I think, what could, can be quite a, a difficult day. Wow, you've enlightened me today, Dr. Jillian Squirrel. Thanks so much for joining us. Your website, homelesswithpets.info, and we'll put all that info over at animalradio.com. And I think everybody can help locally. We, we have given over a ton of food to local resource connections so that they can feed their animals. These people that come to the resource connections can feed their animals. And I think if you can help locally, even in your small little way, take some dog food to your local homeless shelter or to somebody who's interfacing directly with homeless. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, it's Alan Cable. Got an email from a listener. How do I stop my dog from jumping on people? That's a pretty common problem. Chances are you're unwittingly rewarding your dog for jumping on you. I was at the dog park the other day. There was a nice lady there. We got into a conversation. She kept going, go ahead, play, play, come on, come on, to her dog. And uh, I finally said, your dog is playing. Every time you say that, you're confusing him because he runs over and jumps on you. He's already doing what you want and doesn't know what you want him to do. He's going to play on his own. All you have to do is stand there and he really doesn't understand what you're saying it was interesting for me i could see the confusion in her dog but she couldn't he was already playing with another dog every time she started saying this stuff he stopped to run over and jump on her dogs don't understand your sentences they do get your tone though whether you're in a good mood or a bad mood so when the dog was jumping on her she was getting more excited with her voice but shooing him away with her hands so he's confused it's just all confusing i'm confused anyway if your dog is jumping on you and other people especially when you're greeting them don't speak to him in a positive manner. Make sure there are no rewards for your dog when he's jumping on you or other people. Even dog lovers who tell you they don't mind your dog's jumping, tell them, no, 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 no. Dogs can't distinguish between, oh, I can jump on him, but I can't jump on her. It's either all or nothing.
thing with a dog. He can either jump on everybody or nobody. We always talk about setting your dog up for success, so think about how you'd be setting your dog up for failure if you scolded him for jumping on one person, but rewarded him for jumping on you or another. Wouldn't that be unfair and confusing and create anxiety in you if you were that dog? Well, that's what it does. So if your dog jumps on you when you get home, make it a non-event. Don't talk to your dog. Don't greet him for about 15 minutes after you get home. This will make your dog calmer, less anxious. Then when you do say hi, bend over and pet him at his level. This way he doesn't have to jump on you. And finally, teach your dog the sit and off commands. You do this by correcting your dog quickly and sternly when he jumps on you. And then when he sits, you tell him he's a good dog. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. This is Animal Radio, baby. Hi, Bill. Hello. How you doing? Good, how are you? Very good. Where are you calling from? Youngstown, Ohio. What do you got going on there today? Eh, our dog, it's an Angels for Animals dog. We got it probably about seven, eight years ago, and it was approximately a year old when we did get it. Well, probably about three years ago, we noticed that she was itching her belly under her arms, uh, biting at her feet feet, her neck, itching at it, and, and probably about two or three years ago, we took her to the vet, and the vet told us she was allergic to grass. Now, he gave her steroids, and it, it got a little bit better. He just told us, don't take her outside as much as you can, but my dog follows me when I go anywhere. I can't make her stay in the house. Well, that's um, a rotten existence to have to stay feel, inside. Yeah, I feel bad to make her stay in the house. So, he said... Also, give her a bath about three times a week. Well, I live in Ohio. I really can't give her a bath. She's uh, probably about 80 pounds. What kind of dog is she? It's a mix. Uh, We were told it was a mix with a German Shepherd and something else. So we don't really know what it is. The vet's not sure. Now, we've taken her a couple other times to the vet other than that. He keeps on telling us the same thing. Now... Um, he cannot give her steroids anymore. He said he gave her enough. And the only thing that I found that did help a little bit where she itches, right now it's getting a little bit better, but it's still bad uh, because it's, the hair is all the way, it's gone for the most part on her butt, her tail, and under her armpits. The sweat okay. causes like a yeast infection. And if I use like uh, my conazole cream, it does help her, but... What can I do to make her better? Now, in those areas where she's losing hair, does she have any sores? Is she red? It's red, just I believe from her itching, but it could be from from an irritation. Other than that, uh, okay. she has itched it down to bleeding on to, at times. 
Okay. And is she horribly bothered with this? Does this consume her daily activity? Uh, she, if I take her out to play, she forgets all about it. If I okay. sit there and pet her, she forgets all about it. But if you leave her alone for two seconds, she's itching. Okay. And dragging her butt, and it, it just, it bothers me that it bothers her and we can't get it fixed. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I understand uh, your veterinarian's concern about using steroids kind of as a mainstay to treat allergies because it's, it's really not the, the best way. It's sometimes a quick fix, but it, it's something that can really have some negative side effects. And for dogs with something like grass allergy, there's things you can do, you know, you can't keep her inside 100% of the time. Yeah. When you are bringing her inside, for some people, actually cleaning the paws or wiping down the areas if they've laid in the grass can be helpful. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of this, we really would want to look at the root of the problem. If if your pet has allergies, and we're assuming it's not something else like flea allergies um, or some other type of skin infection yeah. or mites or things like that, then yeah. I would really look at trying some different things. And one of the first things I always try for my allergy patients is getting them on a hypoallergenic diet. That is one of the, the most important things because if you can avoid medicines, I'm all for, um, you know, the extra costs and the extra dedication it takes to using a, a specialty food. That would yeah. be one thing. Now, um, what is now, when, a hyperallergenic diet? There's a lot of good ones out there. Most of that you, you would want to talk to your veterinarian, but um, I really like, there's one by Hills called ZD. Um, there's uh, Purina has a, a hypoallergenic diet called HA. Um, then there's some other ones out there that are duck uh, protein or duck and potato based, uh, venison based foods. So there's a lot of different diets out there, but that can be a really great therapy tool that a lot of people don't use. And it's, you know, if you don't have to shove pills down your dog's throat, it's an easy way to go in my book. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, you mentioned that she had some discoloration and some concerns of a yeast infection. And I think in a lot of cases, we try to treat the allergy, but we don't treat what else is kind of tagging along for the ride. And mm-hmm. yeast comes along a lot. Um, as well as bacteria. So um, if the topical yeast medicines work, it might be wise to invest in using an oral uh, yeast medicine as well. And I do find a lot of dogs, you know, sometimes we have to keep them on that for a spell because yeast takes a long time to clear up. Um, But that can be very helpful as well. Um, Topically, you can do those shampoos and medicated baths realistically a couple times a week. And if that's not something easily done for you, um, you can always, you know, have a groomer do that or, you know, have an animal professional take care of that because that is important to remove some of that material off the surface, the bacteria and the yeast. And, um, you know, start with some of those things. I would definitely try some um, anti-allergy medicines. Um, Antihistamines are useful. Some of the typical ones like Benadryl or Atarax are probably my favorites for dogs. Um, Fatty acids such as Derm Caps are really good for allergy patients. And I would also, um, you know, consider if you're looking to maybe do a little bit more investment, takes a little bit of checking on overall health status, but there's some medicines for allergies called cyclosporine, and it basically helps to kind of quiet down the pet's immune system, and um, it does have side effects, so it's not something we just jump into, but it's something that, you know, a little different than prednisone that might be helpful to kind of trick her immune system around (laughs) these allergies here. So it gives you a lot to think about. Does any of that sound possible for you? Well, actually, I was going to say Benadryl. We did give her, but we gave her, like, what you and I would take. Not the same dosage, but the same pills that were over the counter. 
With Benadryl, um, I'd say the biggest problem I see with um, pet owners is that they actually give too low of a dose with Benadryl for dogs because okay. um, dogs are not people, and some drugs you would give a whole lot less for an animal than you would for a dog. For, for Benadryl, I find that most people don't give it frequent enough as well. It should be given two to three times a day for, for really um, you know, being most effective. So I hope that's of some help for you, Bill. And um, allergies are definitely, gosh, one of the worst things to deal with in the skin world for pets. Um, But also make sure you check on uh, flea control because that also in Ohio, (laughs) you've got a bed of uh, parasites there. So you want to make sure you cover your bases all the way around. This is Dr. Debbie. And uh, thank you for the call, Bill. Give us a call here at Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido-friendly magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Are you sure you got this right, cats on the job? I know, I can't believe it either. Okay, on the show today... Somebody has actually written a book about 50 cats, and it's probably all they found, that work, <laughs> that have a job. That I do. wonder how many years it took her. We hear that, uh, you know, about the dogs all the time. Dogs sure. work all the time. In fact, they need a job. This lady's going to tell us all about these 50 felines that uh, work for a living on this Halloween show. That should be pretty scary. What do you say about that? Hey, Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Well, you know, they always say there's, what, a better way to build a mouse trap or some traps are really bad. For animals, because they will trap animals that they're not supposed to. And we kind of run into these all the time. That's on the way with Lori Brooks. Let's head to the phones. Hey, Peter, how you doing? I'm doing great, actually. Are you? What's going on in yeah. your world? It says up here on the screen, trout. That's all it says. Uh, ah, yes. What's going right. on? Okay, I was I catch a radio show yesterday, and I was actually driving from Phoenix, Arizona to Redmond, Washington. Mm-hmm. And um, I have some trout. Now these are these are pet trout. Yeah. Well, yeah, they've been pets now for the last two years. Pets. Hmm. Trout. How, how do you get trout as pets? <laughs> okay. Uh, I, w- I went out camping with my family one day uh, in Arizona, up in the mountains, and uh, we were out there messing around, and somebody forgot to uh, put the roast beef and turkey in the cooler, so it went bad the next day. So we threw it in the river for the fish to eat. Uh-huh. The fish went crazy and went nuts over it, and so we were messing around, and I got in the water, and I was letting the food go down by my legs. It was down by my legs, the fish all swam around, and some of them swam in, swam in my shorts. Oh, you got to be careful about that. So we, we cl- I closed off my shorts and uh, scooped them up and took them home. So I have about eight trout at home in a tank. So I have like uh, five browns and three rainbows. How big were they? Oh, uh, they were probably four or five inches. And wow. now? How big are they now? They're about six to eight inches now. The biggest one is eight inches. And how long have you had them? 
for two years so far. Two years. I don't know what the life expense is. Now, Dr. Debbie, you see a lot of strange animals because you are in Las Vegas. Of course, you have uh, all the shows there with their animals. Do you know anybody that's had trout as a pet? I do not know anybody who's kept trout as pets, although my husband is an avid fisherman and he loves bass. So we have had this conversation extensively about keeping bass as pets and setting up a 100-gallon tank and meeting their needs and making sure we fed them appropriately. So this is actually something that isn't too foreign for me, although I don't think I've really had any clients with pet trout yet so this would be the first <laughs> well, how long would they live according to the fish hatchery they said that um they're in spawning and eating range in two years wow so, spawning so from when they years and, so they could they're supposed to be spawning but i think they're too small for it in mm. what kind of environment do you keep these guys in well i had them in a hundred gallon tank at the house and basically what i did is i i made this I, I had this invention that I that I build it's called a fish tank vacuum it basically looks mm-hmm. like a, a an, an egg that you have fine pantyhose in you know those leg pantyhose eggs uh-huh. okay, and yeah. it floats around the tank and it cleans up all the gunk because trout are dirtier than goldfish oh wow. yeah so they are it, filthy it cleans it out, yeah it totally cleans it all out and I don't use charcoal filters I just have uh, quartz rocks a redwood log in there sand and water and I, you know, and I feed them palm, uh, pond food, uh, some roast beef and turkey because they like it. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes I give them um, uh, fruit roll-ups. Wow. Well, that oh, yeah. balances I, their I, diet. I've been doing a lot of experimenting. Uh, trout love fruit roll-ups. If you want to go fishing, take a little piece of fruit roll-up on a, on a hook. They'll snag that in a heartbeat. Oh, oh my goodness. It's uh, much more so- humane bait. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know, you, you can eat it and they get to eat it. Now, and that would be the question I have. These are pets. You don't have any anticipation of them becoming anything Food? grilled no. anytime soon. No, 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 no. These are just pets. But my biggest concern is that, I, you know, I just moved here last night from uh, uh, Arizona to Redmond, Washington, and um, I brought them over in my car in a, um, in a styrofoam uh, cooler. So, okay. Uh, so I had a, uh, an air pump in there, so I had air constantly being pumped in it as I'm driving on the road. And Good. So they had the air, they had the water, they had their food. Everything's cool with that. I'm just worried about when I take them out in this type of environment. Exactly. Well, it sounds like you had a lot of the important things, the aeration during travel, which is, is yeah. definitely very important. It's, and I'm, I'm assuming you kept... They are not in shock at all. Good. And when you transported them, I'm assuming you used the existing tank water uh, when you were no, transporting I just, them. Um, I, I took I took their their tank water. Correct. Yeah, that's why I want to make sure because that's really oh, yeah. important is to use what's in their immediate environment. Um, it's kind of hard to, to transport. I filled about a gallon of it of normal normal water because a gallon of it splashed out on some turns. Oh, I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> So the the hard part is going to be to make sure that you, when you set up your tank in that new environment, is that you try to mimic as much as you can to what was existing in the old environment. Um, so some of that would be, you know, this is an indoor tank, I'm assuming? Yeah. Okay, so the indoor environment, the basic temperature zone that you have in the home is kind of what we're shooting for. And assuming that you moved most of the equipment, um, then you should be hopefully able to mimic that. Did you move the the heating source and all of that type? The water and the fish. That's all you got? 
Yeah. Okay. Because I, I figured when I got here, I can get a, get a new tank or whatever. Okay, yeah. And the big thing is when you definitely switch over and you add water in there, just like with anyone who does keeps aquariums, you need to make sure to let the water sit out for a good 24, 48 hours or uh, to use the dechlorinators um, before you actually no, put, the, no, no put the fish in there. Yeah, absolutely. Good for us to drink, but not good for our uh, fish to uh, drink in the tank. So that would be one of the most important things that I'd make sure. And then to make sure that you're also using things. Don't bring in anything from the wild environments as of yet. You need them to get acclimated to the tank. Don't bring in any kind of uh, uh, river rocks or any logs from the nearby ponds and things. We want to get them acclimated to your new tank first. Um, and because those things can bring in sources of uh, bacteria, parasites, things like that. So you want to kind of um, just try to get them steady and settled in into the new home. Okay. All right. So just basically get the wa- use the water here and their tank water to get the, the water set first and then have the fish get acclimated to that. And then when that happens, then introduce the the other rocks and and logs and sand, right? Yeah. Now, and then, have you had um, aquarium fish when you were younger? Oh, yeah. I've, I've had fish all my life, but these do not act like aquarium fish at all. They're, for one, they're hardier, and two, they're very, very particular. Like, I, I actually had to use sand. Uh, I, went down, I went down to the hardware store and bought sand and had to use sand for the river bottom. Uh, that's why I couldn't use um, a normal fil- uh, filter. I had to take the, the had to take the charcoal the charcoal filters out because the charcoal filters is making the water too clean. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's good then. If you're getting sand from a, a, a source like that, that's a clean source, and, and you're not picking it up somewhere um, from oh, the okay. environment. That's yeah. the kind of things. Okay. It's very important. But now I, I should still add that after the fish get acclimated, the water appears. No, that you'll want to have set. Um, I was just um, referring to any kind of structure, anything like that that you put in there. Um, the biggest thing is I'd say get them acclimated to the water, get them acclimated to the tank, and a substrate within there, and get your um, get your aeration going, get your circulation going um, and okay. don't be too surprised if they're going to act a little freaky and um, as we get settled in now, a what lot about of times the, the altitude and all the, the, like you know I'm a totally different long, longitude 2,500 miles up yeah you know and I honestly I don't know that uh, I've studied the effect of altitude differences in fish although 2,000 feet I couldn't imagine would be too much of a change whereas if you're going up to a higher like a more mountainous type environment so okay. I honestly don't know that, but um, the big thing I'd be watching for them is to see if you know they're hanging around at the surface a lot, um, any abnormal breathing patterns, if they're doing any kind of gasping. But for something like that, that's going to be really hard to try to acclimate them um, to an altitude change. That's going to be making sure everything else is as stable as you can um, and make their world as quiet as possible as you're getting them acclimated. Okay, cool. Very neat. So did you name any of these fish? Do they have names? Uh, no, we, we've never named them. We were going, oh, we know that there's one girl out of the bunch, uh, because after we first caught them for about the first few weeks, okay, great, we got eight of them. This is really cool. And for almost 10 months in a row, we can only count seven, uh, seven, and we couldn't find the third, we couldn't find the eighth body. And then about a month ago, uh, we found the eighth body because at three o'clock in the morning, and I've realized at three o'clock in the morning, they separate. The browns will go to one side of the tank and the rainbows will go to the other side of the tank. Wow. I'd have to say, Peter, you're going to have to write a story about this to share with other pet owners who might be looking for alternative pets and some of the behaviors of the the trout. That's fascinating. Fun stuff there, Peter. Thanks for sharing it with us. Joey Volani, the dog father, back from the Dominican Republic. 
What were you doing yes. down there anyway? Um, I was laying in the sun. I was <laughs> catamaraning. I was drinking. I was on so the beach. It was um, a vacation what, for what, you. What more do you want me to say? Yes, I didn't know if it was, was work. Was, you know what? Well, because I because every time I go somewhere, it's usually for work. I, I understand. Try to get a couple of days, a couple of days in there, but this was just a true vacation. Mm. Wow. So you can't even write that one off for work. You have. Did Sometimes you, even... you got to go far to get away from work. I know. Though. I totally understand. Out in the country, really? Yeah. So what are we going to be talking about this week? Well, the black specks in my dog or cat's coat. Could that possibly mean fleas? And you're going to have to listen to find out. Okay, because I have black specks in my kitty's coat, right under her chin. She has black specks. We'll have to find out what that is, Al. And we'll have to stick around for that. Okay, that's on the way. Alan Cable, it's time now for you and your dog. Want to hear that? Yeah. Who's the cute fuzzy little... Who's got the fuzzy... <laughs> who's got the cute little fuzzy... Oh, your nose is so wet. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it... No, off, off, off the tape, off the table. And now Times Animals Interrupted News Reports. Here's a kitty that decided to jump on the news person's shoulder while she's reporting. Oh, my goodness. That's a way to start a Thursday, Nicole. Here's a weather guy at the zoo in Australia when a pelican decides to bite him on the bottom. This is Animal Radio, baby. Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process. Cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book. Biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book. No matter what genre, Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks. We do all of this for you. Call today for your free writer's guide, packed with tips, tricks, and templates to help you finish what you started. 800-215-6815. That's 800-215-6815. This is Animal Radio, baby. I believe we have George on line four. Can you punch that up? I can't reach it today. There, thank you. Hi, George. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Very good. Where are you calling from? I'm in Muskegon, Michigan right now. Are you a driver? Yeah. Okay. George, what's going on with you? Dr. Debbie's on with us here. Hi. Hi. I have a female Airedale that's spayed. She's three years old. Her weight was up to 130 pounds, and... uh, about a year ago, we put her on a diet, and the doctor wants her down to around, uh, the vet wants her down to about 100 pounds, but I can't get her below 117, and all I feed her is uh, a cup of uh, dried dog food in the morning mixed with a half can of green beans and the same thing at night. And when, when you look at her, do you think she looks pudgy? Yeah, she's kind of a little bit white at the crust of mag. Okay. But uh, I got her from Airedale Rescue when she was three months old, and... She weighed 35 pounds then. Oh, when she was little, yeah. <laughs> they grew up to be big girls, but, uh, yeah, I would say at 130, that definitely sounds as a number. It sounds high. And and if you're going by the, the body condition score, which is usually what most veterinarians use where we look at your pet and we look for some certain outlines and shapes that we want to see. And if she doesn't have a nice little narrow waist when you're standing above her um, and she kind of looks like a 
pretty much like a rectangular potato, <laughs> then that's not what we want. We want to have a nice little silhouette. So um, I guess the first thing I'd ask you as far as, um, you know, food-wise, as far as is she actually on a weight loss diet? I am feeding her uh, for about a year now, uh, blue buffalo, uh, weight control, uh, dried dog. Okay. Okay. Um, and um, has your veterinarian expressed any concerns for anything health-wise, any kind of hormone problems? Because one of the big things I'd be looking for in a dog that can't drop the weight would be potentially a thyroid problem. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that myself. But, uh, yeah. Maybe I'll... And it's a very common hormonal problem. So if she hasn't been screened for that yet, I would definitely draw some blood and check her for that. Um, a low thyroid level in dogs can cause problems with weight gain, as well as some other hair coat problems where they get kind of dry skin um, and, and can have some activity problems. So that would be definitely something I'd look at. And I would really encourage you to use a weight loss diet in more of a prescription strength. Um, and that basically means nothing wrong with the food you're feeding right now, but when we're really trying to make some sincere efforts at getting that, that poundage off, um, it is advisable to use a prescription weight loss food. Um, talk to your veterinarian. There's a lot out of there. Out there, um, I use um, some of the different Hills products. Um, Purina makes a weight loss uh, food as well. But it gets a little bit more calorie restrictive than general over-the-counter uh, weight loss foods that are out there. Um, and then, and the other thought is, um, there is actually a weight loss drug for dogs. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called Slentrol. And it actually is a drug that helps to curb their appetite. And we only want to use it in a healthy dog that doesn't have a thyroid problem, doesn't have a liver problem. But that is really useful for some pets that just can't get that weight off or that have a very strong appetite. Um, but we do have to use that with caution. So you, you work with your veterinarian on that. And that can help um, definitely kind of curb the little munchies that she might be having that could be contributing to her weight problem. And are you, George, are you doing some activity, some exercise for her? Well, I could take her for a walk now and then, but uh, my wife and I both work. We have a fenced-in yard, and we have a dog door, so she goes in and out whenever she wants. But okay. Probably not enough, because she's kind of a couch potato. <laughs> she's living the good life there. <laughs> and I would say definitely, if there's an ability that you can get her um, activity up, you know, two 30-minute walks a day are ideal for trying to get that activity level. And you might be able to get away feeding, you know, maybe the regular food you're feeding now or not restricting her diet so much if we can get that activity level up. So um, I'd say get her off the couch, <laughs> away from the TV, um, play ball if she likes to do any kind of retrieving activities. Um, um, but even a good, you know, brisk walk a couple times a day is a fabulous thing for us and great for her as well. So keep up those weight loss efforts there, George. It is, of course, Halloween, and sometimes the dogs and cats love to get dressed up. Uh, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they don't. We got one picture this morning of a cat dressed up. It was actually a video, a cat dressed up as uh, Captain Hook. Wasn't that cute? That was adorable. <laughs> you want to see that, head on over to our Facebook page where we're posting all these Halloween videos and pictures of these uh, animals. And, and, you know, some animals like Ladybug, the studio stunt dog, she, she thrives for the attention. She just loves the attention. She knows everybody's looking at her you despite she, the costume. She does. When I go try to put anything on her, she picks her paw, her feet up, her front feet, oh. and, and puts it in the arm, and I could actually hold it, and she'll put 
and then she picks up the other one and tries to put it she in. She gets into it. She knows. But she not does. every dog is like that. You're so right, you really, you have to know your pet. And you really, it's not about torturing your animal just for a giggle. It, it, they have to enjoy it or at least tolerate it as you giggle. Do your animals enjoy it or tolerate it? They do because I usually I treat a lot, <laughs> so you it's make it one fun. way to. I do. I make it fun for them. It's a reward. They they know that if mom goes into the cabinet, pulls out these crazy outfits, and you walk around the house and them, you get like lots of goodies and yeah. you get lots of attention. <laughs> and they think it's a, they think it's good. But you know, I have to say that some costumes are just not uh, suited for animals, and a lot of those with the rubber bands and people will try to you know affix them to their dog's head in weird way and anything that constricts um, around a dog's neck, their ears, they're not going to like, and it can be a danger to them. So if your dog's not really into the whole scene, you know, a safe back bedroom is the best thing to do. Turn the music on. Um, at, at our house, we have like a little doggy gate we put so that we don't have to open the door nor worry about the uh, the dogs escaping out the door. That way the human can go through the little gate and uh, you know, the dogs can watch. <laughs> we actually stay at home and we let Ladybug answer the door in her costume and uh, give out, we don't give out uh, candy, we give out uh, books. Do you really? I'd skip your house. I'm sorry. So that's why we're not getting any trick-or-treaters, Hal. Yeah, I have an algebra book this year that I'll be giving out to one lucky costume. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. If Ernest Hemingway was alive today, would he say this to you? Shakespeare, Mark Twain, Edgar Allan Poe. All great writers. And after reading your book, I simply must add you to the list. Wait, you don't have a book yet. So make a free call to Page Publishing. Turn your book idea into publishing gold. 800-215-6815. 800-215-6815. That's 800-215-6815. Hi, this is Elaine Boozler on Animal Radio. Stay in to your pets and some of your exes. <laughs> this is an Animal Radio News Update. Hi, I'm Lori Brooks. There is a warning for pet owners now out there after a cat was found with its head stuck in a rodent trap, of all things. It happened in England, but pet owners everywhere are being asked to look out now because they say that these traps can also kill smaller pets like cats and tiny dogs. This cat, who was seriously injured in England, was caught in what's called a fen trap. It's meant for squirrels and rats, but luckily that cat was found and then rescued by a good Samaritan. Now, since the incident in England last Last month, the SPCA is now calling on people everywhere to be aware that setting these traps could be breaking laws. While it's not illegal if the traps kill rodents, they say if the trap kills a domestic animal, the owner could be prosecuted by police in some jurisdictions. If your companion pet is a sun seeker, the dog that likes to lay by the window, the sliding glass door, or the cat that likes to lay in the window and soak up the sun. Now, if they have a thin or a light-colored coat of hair, make sure you put sunscreen when they are outside on those vulnerable areas. That would be their nose, their face, the tips of their ears, and their bellies for those pets who like to sleep on their backs in the sun. But when you use sunscreen on a pet, make sure it's a sunscreen that is made specifically for pets or that you use a PABA for free sunscreen or zinc oxide will also work for pets. And when temperatures get extreme, heat exhaustion and heat stroke are really big
big concerns, especially for those dogs with flat faces, you know, flat, squishy noses like Boston Terriers, English and French Bulldogs, Pekingese and Pugs, too. So for those short-faced or short-nosed breeds, as little as 20 minutes in really high temperatures can be fatal to them. Dogs with those heavy coats, too, or with heart problems can also be at risk of exhaustion and heat stroke. Signs of heat stroke you need to watch out for. Excessive panting. Weakness. Maybe you see the dog becoming dizzy. Look at their gums. If their gums get a dark red color, that's a big sign, as well as nausea and a loss of consciousness. But don't go looking for ice water. The thing to do is you want to cool the animal down with lukewarm water and get him to the veterinarian right away. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. Judy doing the funky chicken. Is that what it, what that is? Yeah. Little knees. You know, I learned that I was in the fifth grade and I was going to a birthday party and my girlfriend's father owned a restaurant. We were going to get up on stage and dance and wow. I didn't know how to dance at 10 years old. So the girls in the classroom got us non-dancers together and taught us a funky chicken. You did a fine job there. I'm, I wish people could see that if this I was only TV. I've perfected it. I think we, we were all entertained it's like in the studio. like Bennis on, on Seinfeld. <laughs> just a little bit. Oh, just a God. little bit. You totally got it. Yes. <laughs> see? Some people just have it. So uh, this uh, next guest, it's kind of funny. The book that she's written is called Cats on the Job. And I just think about cats working. What, are you kidding? <laughs> Earning there's, the keep? There's no cat I know. None of the cats that are here at the studio, they make me feel like I've asked them for a ride to the airport all the time. You know, I feel guilty. <laughs> like I owe them something, right? They're freeloaders. And uh, so when I saw that the title of the book, I was immediately amused. But then I went through the book and I saw that there are a lot of uh, these cats that seem to help out their owners in jobs. And this book has some amazing... Amazing pictures and stories behind it. And we've left it around the studio, hoping the cats, the studio pick cats will pick it, up on it, but, but it not yet. Not a bit. Yeah. Uh, we welcome the author, Lisa Rojak, to the airwaves here at Animal Radio. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm awesome. So now, do you have cats that work for you? Um, no, I have no cats currently. I am a former ex-crazy cat lady. So the, one, the, the cats who I uh, interviewed for the book... I was amazed at how industrious some of them can be. Well, uh, tell us about was, some of them. Well, you know, I must say it was a goofball book to research. I've done a lot of <laughs> different animal books, you know, from Dogs of War to Dogs of Courage, and um, a book about interspecies animal families. But this one, I cracked up with everyone because, again, as you said in your intro, Cats don't have the best reputation for being um, good workers. So the model cats, there are actually cats who model cat costumes and cat wigs and and cat actors uh, wow. who act in movies and on TV commercials. And there's a great picture of an, of an actor cat on one of the Star Trek series. Um, who was a kind of recurring character on on the uh, show 
he was belonged to Data. I'm not a Trekkie, so I never watched it, but um, <laughs> a lot of people recognize that cat. And in fact, yesterday I did a book signing with the bookstore cat, and yeah, that cat was more along the lines of my cat, my previous cats, and your cats, and that it's really hard to get a cat to uh, pose on cue if that said cat cannot be bribed with catnip or food. So, yeah. So, but, but you know, there are also other cats who service cats, and there was there's a great therapy cat in there um, where in, in Indiana where the cat's human actually brings the cat named Frog and one, I'm sorry, I'm, I have cat on the brain now. I can't even remember the name of the cat. <laughs> a Flash, sorry. Um, she brings that cat to nursing homes and um, and to hospitals and brings them into parades and and that cat you know waltzes in, sits, plops down on a on a patient's bed and instantly makes people feel better. Not only the patient but the patient's family and the staffers. Wow, cats. The big thing is motivation and in getting them to do what you want them to do. So, did you find that most of the cats in your book were kind of these were natural abilities that they were doing, and the the owners just recognized that, or they actually trained them to do something? Great question. I yeah, I think that in most of the cases, the cats just kind of showed up and created their own jobs. Like like Grumpy Cat is in the book. <laughs> Grumpy Cat. What is created, he under there for? Uh, it was under Celebrity Cat. Oh, Celebrity Cats. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, the, one of the more entertaining cats. There are two of them in this category who work in the same, who are in the same workplace. Are office cats. They work in an insurance adjuster's office in Little Rock, Arkansas, and the cats are just. The cats actually have business cards and job titles, and there are actually a couple of dogs who live who who also work the um, in the office. And um, the, the people, the staff, use the cats as as a screening for future um, for potential employees. And if the if the if the employees come in, because you know insurance adjusters have to go into strange houses and. They're attack, you know, the dogs might attack them, and they might um, be afraid of cats. And so they're very sly at this at this insurance adjuster office because the the um, the, the new employee, the prospective employee, will come in, and if the employee freaks out at the fact that yes, there's a cat sticking his his face drinking out of your into your water drinking out of your water glass, then they know not to hire that person. <laughs> I, I want to know how the mayor Stubbs became the mayor of Talkeetna, Alaska. Did he just go in and kick out the other mayor? And how do we get more cats to kick out more is, politicians? This is a cat mayor that you're talking about. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's up in Alaska, in a in a, in a tiny town. And um, mayor is the, the the position of mayor there in Talkeetna is kind of an honorary title. And um, I think previous. Uh, Holder was not too effective at his 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 or her job, and so they figured, let's just let, let a cat do it. And <laughs> you just gave me a great idea. I'm just thinking oh like grumpy cat for president. I'm, oh, I'm just saying, there you and go. I'm saying that because I think that if I gave you the choice of Donald Trump or grumpy cat, I think I know I what you'd pick. Pick grumpy cat. Uh, yeah, I, I I think most people are with you on that. 
fun stuff. I like it. It's time for you to go out and get a cat because otherwise you're sort of a hippocat. Hippocat. Lisa, thanks for so much for spending time with us today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It was fun. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Ever wonder why you see black cats at Halloween? Well, it seems that people have had strange thoughts about black cats for a long time. In Scotland, a black cat at your door means upcoming prosperity, while in Ireland, if a black cat crosses your path at midnight, you'll get sick and die. Some people believe that if you stroke a black cat's tail three times, your bad luck will turn to good luck, and others believe if you pet a black cat's tail, it'll cure a sty in your eye. A long time ago, some people believed that black cats had special powers and were witches in disguise. That's why you see witches and black cats at Halloween. Most people today just think black cats are like any other kind of cat, and that's why we love them. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hi everybody, this is Deborah Wilson from Mad TV, and you're listening to Animal Radio. And as my friends would say, Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process. Cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book. Biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book. No matter what genre, Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks. We do all of this for you. Call today for your free writer's guide, packed with tips, tricks, and templates to help you finish what you started. 800-215-6815. That's 800-215-6815. Holy education! Hi, this is Burt Ward, Robin from the TV series Batman. You've got to keep listening to Animal Radio. Wowie zowie. They've got the best information. It's so entertaining. To the Batmobile citizens. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Alan Cable with today's amazingly sweet love story watch. It goes. Owen's getting a little kiss from his dog. He's seven years old. This is a story of how one little boy and a dog changed each other's lives. Owen has an illness that causes his muscles to constantly be tense, so it's very difficult for him to move around and do simple things. It's made him very shy and withdrawn. Well, some folks were searching for someone to adopt a dog named Hachi. He's a big Italian shepherd that only has three legs. Hachi got hit by a train and then came to us. Owen says it was a magical meeting. First day I met him, put his head on my lap, and that's what happened. Owen's family says he's a different kid with Hachi there, much more outgoing. I'm really happy. Everything changed my life. This is Animal Radio. Let's take a call for Dr. Debbie. We have Joseph on the phone. Hey, Joseph. Welcome to Animal Radio. Hi. Where are you calling from? Um, I'm in Cottonwood, California right now. I'm a truck driver. 
truck driver. Okay. Well, drive carefully, please. What's going uh, on? No, I'm, I'm parked. But Good. I have a, I have a Jack Russell, and um, he, he's had a couple times in the last few weeks where he's uh, gotten up, and he started get, he started shaking, and he kind of, I guess last night my wife said he fell over and uh, couldn't get back up. And then it, it just went away after a minute or so, and he was fine. Has that been something that's just been recently that's come on, or has he done that for a while? No, this is the first time this happened was uh, on New Year's Eve, and then it happened again the other night. So twice, and it's the first time we've ever noticed this. Okay, and what does he do when he has this? Does he actually lose any control of his urine? Does he defecate, or does he just kind of fall over? Uh, Well, the first time he didn't fall over. Second time my wife said he did, but no, he doesn't, nothing like that, no. He just kind of loses his balance, and he's, like, shaky. Okay. Any kind of association to what he's doing right prior to this? Is he eating, sleeping, playing, doing anything unusual right right before the episodes? Well, um, the first time he was in his bed, my daughter said he, he kind of jumped up out of his bed right before it happened. And okay. uh, the second time, I think my wife said he was over by his bed. So okay. he might have been sleeping both times. You know, at this point, I'd say we may have a challenge determining exactly what is causing the episodes, but there's there's basically a couple main things. Number one would be that we could be actually having a form of a seizure disorder, because um, not every seizure looks like that typical epileptic seizure that you may be familiar with. Um, some seizures can be very mild for dogs, where they can just have a trembling of one body part, or they can even steer off into space. So something like this, where he's kind of having combination of issues of having some trembling as well as kind of falling down, that would have to be high on my list of concerns is that we could have a seizure. And the causes of seizures can be a lot. Um, Everything from epilepsy to toxins to liver disorders to blood sugar issues. So there can be definitely a lot of causes within that diagnosis. Now, there are also pets that can have uh, what we call syncopal episodes, and that can sometimes be from heart problems. So even if a pet does... Go ahead. The, the one time when I was home, um, I had after he started acting, you know, kind of shaky, I kind of picked him up, and I, you know, I put my hand under his chest, and I could feel his heart really racing. Sure, sure. And um, the, the challenge with the heart-related problems is that sometimes that can be a little harder to pick up. We might have to do something like an EKG um, or even a a chest x-ray or an ultrasound to find out a little bit more about that. Um, But I think the big thing is that we we do need to start getting some diagnostic tests to figure out what direction we're going Um, because there are some pets that these episodes will get worse and worse, more frequent, and we may need to get them on some medication if we're dealing with a seizure type disorder. If we're dealing more with a heart based problem, diagnosis is going to be key because the last thing we would want to do is give him an anti-seizure medicine if he's got a bum heart and we've got a a rhythm problem with his heart. This is the time when I talk about getting him into the vet and it's ideal if we can get a pet that just has the episode and we get him to the vet when they're actually coming out of it because sometimes um, when blood work is, we're talking about that, that's when sometimes we'll pick up some different changes on lab work or even with a, a heart tracing that might not be there at other times. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. 
Okay, and I, I certainly hope that um, you know we can get a handle on these things. And there are some you know situations where not everyone can do a lot of tests, do a lot of. I I know people probably say, Doc, you always talk about doing tests, and I just don't have the money for it. I'd have to say that there's a lot of very simple things, and they all basically start with a physical exam. So the doctor's ears, eyes, and nose, believe it or not, the nose is very valuable in many cases, um, can really help us make some of those determinations and pick what test might be the most useful. To, to get that answer. Use that teamwork approach with your vet and, and you'll get to the bottom of things. So thank you for your call. And I hope the little guy, I hope he does well. Um, love the little terriers. I'm a terrier fan myself now. Well, that's all we have time for today. Remember to download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and you can ask your questions all week long. And as well as uh, you can listen to the show anytime you want. And uh, we also have recalls and all kinds of important information that you may need to know for your pet over at the Animal Radio app. It's a free download, so download it now. Uh, before you leave today, I need to tell you about the Yorkshire Terriers, the Shih Tzus, Pugs, and Mini Schnauzer Guide of the Century. This is how to be your dog's best friend for all those breeds, and it's written by our very own Dr. Debbie, and it's an Amazon Kindle book, so it's an easy read, very informative. She's also a pretty good writer, I'll tell you that. Good. Thank you. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I call it like I see it. You can head over to Amazon.com to download the books, or we have links over at AnimalRadio.com. Have yourself a great and safe Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Boo. This is Animal Radio Network.